0: Hello, hello. How's everyone doing? Hope you're having a good week. Um, my name is Shane Petkowitz. Welcome to another episode of Zero. Thanks for everyone for that's following along. Um, super excited uh, for today's episode. We're going through the season through the progression of understanding how community activists are pushing back against large uh, scale fossil fuel projects. Uh, we've learned who the stakeholders are, and we've learned throughout each episode, a number of different strategies and approaches that climate activists has taken, whether it's engaging policymakers, or legislators, whether it's engaging financial institutions and banks. Uh, and now we're going to learn a little bit about how uh, climate activists engage with local communities, particularly with a focus on youth inclusion and youth, you um, youth, youth uh, related work. And so for today's uh, exciting episode, we have Chibeze Ezekiel from Ghana, uh, he currently coordinates the strategic youth network uh, for development. Uh, it's a youth oriented NGO that promotes youth inclusion in the governance of the natural resources and environmental sector. <clears throat> Chibese has many years, if not decades, of experience in this space. He was actually involved in a four-year grassroots campaign uh, to push back against 700 megawatt coal power plants that would have been uh, situated in in the coastal area in Ghana. Uh, and his activism, along with the, the team, was able to uh, stop this project from from taking place. And so uh, he he has a lot of experience in this area, um, and he really holds a strong conviction, you know, which we'll see throughout the episode, that young people need to be at the heart of the climate solutions. Um, They're going to be playing a pivotal role. Obviously, it's their lives that are going to be impacted the most by climate change. Uh, and so he's tried to lead this intergenerational climate justice campaign that engages individuals from... All, all ages, really, from children, youth, uh, to the to, to elderly generation. So, um, learned a lot. Hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Yeah, so, um, I, I think it was in 2009 when I got a chance to be selected by the World Bank and British Council. Um, as part of a program uh, that youth master Trainers on climate change. Um, so we're young people from seven, are uh, among seven African countries who were selected, you know, to participate in this particular program. And now the first time I got introduced to the concept of climate change, um, prior to that, I had no knowledge, you know, never heard of climate change. I didn't know what it, it meant, what it was, you know, what it was all about. Um, onto that particular training, you know, it was Nabuja, Nigeria. Yeah. Um, it was a two-week conference or workshop uh, for young activists like us. Um, so that then became the genesis, you know, of my interest um, in climate change. Um, and the good thing yeah. about the program was that um, at the end of the training, we were offered um, $500 each, you know, by British Council to go to any community of our choice, you know, to educate them to also go through some awareness creation, you know, for the people based on the training we have received, you know, on how they can also contribute to the fight against climate change. Um. So, so 2009 was the beginning point for me, and then in 2013, to attend one arguably, I mean, I think the largest youth gathering, you know, at that time, and that was in Istanbul, Turkey, um, the Power Shift, you know, conference. Uh, which brought about 500 young people from different parts of the world, you know, to deliberate, to discuss, you know, on climate change issues. So those two events, for me, you know, was the starting point that actually opened my my passion for climate advocacy. And since then, um, I've been working on climate change issues, you know, based on the training and based on the you know, um, uh, opportunities I got.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, and it's exciting that you were able to participate in those conferences um, that they were able to. Show you or open up a, a new new concept of of climate change, um, which is exciting. I'm curious, what does um, you know from from Ghana's perspective? What what does climate change look like for for people living there? What what, what are the impacts that you're potentially facing or are facing right now?
1: Yeah, I mean in Ghana, when it goes to climate change. I mean, even though there is some high level of awareness, um, as compared to previous years, um, there's still room for improvement, which uh, still have to intensify um, the education and the awareness. Uh, because there are people who have been affected by climate change, but they are unable to connect that, you know, to climate change. Some believe it's, you know, something spiritual, it's about superstition, you know, and all that. So um you know that connection ought to be made for them to appreciate that this is clearly uh, caused by climate change and um, ghana typically we have the southern zone and the middle zone and the northern zone Um, the northern zone basically is a high temperature areas where you know there's so much heat and um, the middle zone is the forest areas where we have our aggregate you know the farms and all that largely and then the southern zone is the coastal areas, um, so where the fishermen and, you know, so that's basically how Ghana is divided. And depending on one's geographical location, uh, one gets affected or impacted, you know, differently. Um, so because of the geographical location, and we have done some exercise or some studies across the country on how people or communities have been impacted by climate change. Um. so for example those living in the north are currently facing severe heat waves um, leading, leading to some even health sick, uh, skin diseases you know health challenges Um, you know so all because of the high temperature you know the, the temperature keeps increasing and again with with this also some rapid or increased uh, incidence of storms or floods you know anytime it rains you know people's house gets destroyed um their property you know they lose their properties and all that so that is one of the major challenges or impact you know of climate change for those living and not part. and then the middle part uh primarily the green areas or the forest areas are also expressing their own uh, impact uh, which has to do primarily with erratic or unpredictable rainfall patterns and uh, which has become one of the effects or impact of climate change because farmers are now unable to predict when the rains will come, it becomes quite difficult for them to you know adjust or know when to plant their seeds in anticipation of the rain. And um, so that that situation has made it quite difficult you know for farmers to be able to predict when the rains are coming and therefore want to prepare the land and want to sow their seeds. Coastal areas, or you know, are also having their own challenges. Uh, one is has to deal with the sea level rise. Uh, because for the melting of the ice at you know the north pole and the south pole and uh, so now the sea is actually claiming some communities um, and destroying properties and uh, people are losing their heritage you know they're losing their community where they used to live you know and uh, has been taken over by the sea so that's one clear you know impact directly on people you know from for sea level rise which has been caused by climate change and the other challenge is even for the fisher folks or the fishermen these are the uh, specific challenges that are confronting people, depending on their source or depending on where they live, in terms of their geographical area. Um, so that's the, the 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 picture. You know, that I want to share um, as far as can is concern when it comes to climate change.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that picture, and it's it's clear that with a country with so much variety, whether it's the highlands, the the forests, or the the coastlands, that you're you're facing a lot of different potential challenges even to this day for climate change so thank you for sharing so now that you've painted that picture it's 2009 you've gone through some fairly significant courses either nigeria or turkey to learn about climate change what 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 do you do then
1: um so so for us um uh, one one of the things that uh, we have done Um, Initially, our our main focus was to um, support the process by creating awareness or supporting government intervention when it comes to climate change. Uh, Because one, people must first be aware, and then once they are aware, then we can look at the next step in terms of how do we, all together, provide the solutions that are required to deal with the situation. So for a number of years, we've been organizing and uh, creating awareness on, uh, you know, and doing conferences, workshops, um, social media handles, you know, just to whip up, you know, public interest or public awareness on climate change. Uh, but in recent times, we we realized that uh, we have to, you know, take it a step further uh, by adding more value, you know, to the entire to the entire process. So what we did was to start putting in place. Um, certain uh, specific interventions, you know, that would demonstrate our contribution as young people um, in in the fight against climate change. So I'm going to share uh, just briefly, I mean, some of the major, uh, we are developing a youth strategy for climate action in Ghana. Um, So this is supposed to be a framework on how young people in Ghana are supposed to be engaged when it comes to climate change. We want to veer or shift away from the era where policymakers, government agencies, all decision makers make decisions on behalf of young people. This time we want them to make decisions with young people and not on behalf of young people. So basically, young people must be involved or their voices must be heard in the decision-making process at all levels, from the local level into the national level. So this framework. Is supposed to create that kind of conversation or trigger that discussion. You know, as well as donor agencies, government agencies, the private sector must be able to be guided on how they can engage young people. The other intervention that we, we launched in 2019, September 2019, um, is a, a program we call Children for Climate Action, uh, C4C. Um, so it started at children in business school. Um, to raise them as climate champions, uh, to raise them as environmentalists, uh, based on the uh, on our position, that it may be difficult to change uh, our leaders, to change their thought patterns, to change their behaviours, to change their decisions. Um, because as the saying goes, it is difficult, if not impossible, to teach an old dog new tricks. But because it's quite difficult to change the mindset of this older generation, then we believe that if we're able to start this awareness with these children you know by the time they become youth and become adults they are not likely to repeat the mistakes of the older generation so that is the the first level of our engagement with some of the key audience or the target audience which in this case uh, is children and then we have our youth platform so we can learn and share, you know, from our own you know, different experiences, different practices to enhance or strengthen the youth advocacy when it comes to the natural resources and the environmental sector. So that's a youth angle uh, for, for, for the work we are doing. And the final bit has to do with um, the, the, what you call the PFF, uh, Parents for Future. Uh, it was a campaign that we, we launched this year somewhere in June. Um, it's also targeting parents, uh, parents, fathers, and mothers who are also concerned about the future of their children or even the future of their unborn children. Um, so that is the, the, the program for parents so they can also create a space where they can also contribute in their own small way to the fight against climate change for the sake of their own children. Uh, because I think every parent wants to see the welfare of their children and to ensure that their children have a, a better future and a safe environment um, to live in. So all these three programs, um, the C4C, uh, the Children's Program, the Youth Platform, and one for the Parents, constitutes our intergenerational climate justice campaign. So that's what we are doing um, as our contribution um, to the fight against climate change. And um, the, the other intervention we are doing now is about um, um, creating a cohort of young people, uh, we call them young green entrepreneurs. Um, to offer or to bring about innovative climate solutions. So we have a bunch of young people uh, who are entrepreneurs, uh, who are for example, turning or transforming um, um, organic waste into like pellets and briquettes. You know, so that intervention uh, is a climate solution. And um, so that is quite a concrete uh, effort you're putting in place uh, Yes. yes Uh, We can't only, but we want to create the the right environment, the enabling environment for young people who have business ideas, you know, that can contribute to climate action. So how do we support them? How do we bring them together? You know, so we are championing this course and this year, uh, we started nursing this um, somewhere last year. Um, Next year, year, we're going to launch out the full project on that where we're supporting, you know, young entrepreneurs to strengthen their business, to upskill their business so they can attract investors, you know, to promote green entrepreneurship. Among young people, so that's a direct action or a complete action we are taking as evidence of our climate solution. So these are some of the concrete steps we are taking uh, as young people uh, in the fight against climate change.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's a lot of different programs. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you're quite yes, busy. Yes, um, yes. Uh, But it is exciting that you're 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 addressing different. Age groups, whether it's children or youth or parents of concern that, that are children are concerned for their children, and then also promoting entrepreneurship. And it's exciting that you're doing all these prizes. Is there one key goal for the next twelve to one to two years that you're you're hoping to achieve through these programs.
1: Um, already, we have started some programs with the children in terms of, for example, how to um, transform or recycle waste or recycle plastics. Or how to, uh, what do you call it, segregate waste. You know, organic with uh, from inorganic. You know, so these are things they are doing practically in the schools. So that becomes part of them. It will impact in them the right values, the right culture, so that by the time they are older or they are old, uh, that 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 decision or that behavior will be climate action agenda. So we will see more children uh, actively uh, speaking or adding their voice club um, pronouns, through letters, through articles, um, through music, through arts, you know, that we, we explore what avenues are. These are things that children and young people are doing, you know, and it can become very evident that at least now we are being hit by climate change and we don't want to sit on the fence or we want to ensure that, you know, our voices are here. So that's for the advocacy aspect. Now, for the young entrepreneurs, we are hoping that in the next year or two, we'll be able to attract more investors pushing money into their business, so they can grow, they can upskill, and they can employ more young people. So we can address uh, which 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 will bring about multi benefits. You know, uh, one is about dealing with deforestation, creating employment, and also offering climate innovative solutions. So for for me, I believe that uh, that's my expectation that in two years' time, uh, these young entrepreneurs will have you know investors to support them with the money they need for, for assets to acquire machinery, to have still, you know, their, their businesses. So those are, for me, my expectations for the next one or two years.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I hope that happens, you know, being able to attract investment to develop these entrepreneurial ventures, whether it's recycling, uh, organics recycling, or also these campaigns is, is super creative. Um, I want to shift topics a little bit. And I know you're... It sounds like the focus right now for you has been empowering, enabling the youth and children in the community, which is fantastic. I think maybe you, five to 10 years ago, you were very much involved in a, in a youth campaign uh, to push back against a large coal project. And I wanna speak about a little bit about that and, and how you were successful in, put, in defeating a, a planned coal project. Can you just speak a little bit about that, please?
1: Um, So, it's it's quite a a long, narration, but I'm trying some of it. So, it was in 2013, where we saw in the newspaper or in the media space, that government was having a conversation with a Chinese company uh, in terms of plans to build a coal plant in Ghana. And then we started following the discussions and the conversations keenly um, until we we go to a point where there was not much information happening but nevertheless we didn't actually sit back we were still tracking, we were still getting ready um, so we are not taking by surprise you know in terms of the coal plants and our establishment and then in december 2015 the government of ghana came out with a scoping report on the coal plants and then in January 2016 there was a scoping notice that was that was published publicly for uh, individuals organized groups to express their concerns you know which is a requirement as part of our environmental and social impact assessment processes so that um notice was 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 shared you know widely um you know to give people who have any concern to come forward and express their concern so then that activated our um activated our campaign um, to, as it were, fight government or to challenge government on that particular proposition. Um, but I must also admit that in 2015, there about, Ghana had a severe power, power crisis. Companies were collapsing. Uh, young people were losing their jobs. You know, so there was a lot of chaos, you know, because there was so much power, you know, it was not, you know, power was not very reliable. It was very erratic. You know, because there were two arguments on that that it is cheaper to generate power through the use of coal plant, which in terms of economics is true. Um, so government said that well, it is we want to save our economy, save our businesses, then why don't we build a coal plant? Um, so and then again, government indicated that the coal plant will um, create jobs for young people. Um, so we then have to come out very strongly to challenge those two position by government in terms of the cost element in terms of the employment, you know, uh, aspects. So in terms of the cost, we, we did agree that uh, once a mission occurs, uh, people is, not, is likely to affect people's health, uh, there's air pollution, people are going to get, you know, infected with, with cancer, with, with health, with lungs problems and all that. So that cost must also be factored, And therefore, because that cost becomes an extra burden to disposing of the waste from plants. Uh, the coal ash, and they are often deposited in water bodies. You know, so our concern again was, I mean, we live in a community or in a country where people living in communities, you know, depend a lot on the water bodies for almost everything they do. The 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 life of people, you know, so that cost must also be factored in. Again, the cost. And against biodiversity, you know, um, uh, species in water bodies and all that, you know, are going to affect. Some even die in the process. So how are we going to cause that? So if you add all these costs, the co plant is it's not cheap because all these costs will affect the uh, uh, the abilities to sustain the the coal plant. So that was one reason why we fought against the coal plant. That it is not really something that we think should be encouraged. Again, we our position was that. Ghana could not have gone to COP25, uh, COP15 to start the Paris Climate Agreement, only to come back and then make an effort or an attempt to build a coal plant. So we felt that was inconsistent to Ghana's commitment you know, to the fight against climate change or to the agreement that was signed at COP15. Uh, we also did say that when it comes to employment, uh, we believe that even though the coal plants may employ lots of young people, that employment will be something temporary. I mean, it will be; it wouldn't be permanent, because um, a lot of lay workers or labourers will be required to build the plants. You know, and once the plants is built, they will be laid off because there will be no job for them to do. But if you look at the renewable energy aspect, you know, the renewable energy master plan 2019 in Ghana says that um, about 220,000 jobs are expected to be created along the value chain. You know, in the world of renewable energy. So if there's a huge potential in that regard, to uh, energy, then we believe that renewable energy is far better. If employment is a major concern for government, especially looking at the value chain, you know. So if you pick solar, for example, um, solar make, you know there are levels or the value chain is those who, who will assemble the various panels, and uh, those who will do the installation, and those who will, who will do maintenance. You know, so all these are levels of employment that people can be engaged in. So if it's about employment, then we believe that renewable energy is be far better than coal plants. So that was the approach we adopted. Uh, and not only were we critiquing, you know, the the way of going the way of the coal plants, but we were also providing or offering alternatives, you know, as as citizens on how we can grow or how we can expand uh, our economy without going away work coal, but also how we can use our renewable energy resources here you know prudently to achieve those targets. So those were some of the few arguments we made uh, which eventually, I think, caught the attention of governments and therefore they had to count down, you know, to make a co So in a nutshell, that is just uh, try to give a brief for the whole campaign. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. And it's, it's really um, impressive to, to the way you were able to break down the different arguments of costs and jobs and, and power and saying that one the, the coal power coal plant actually has a lot of other costs that we're not accounting for. Um, that actually that jobs could be better jobs could be created along the value chain for renewable energy and those could produce power. Um, how did I really want to focus on alternatives in terms of like one one theme uh, over the course of the season that we've that um we've heard a lot is that a lot of governments are facing this goal for at the one hand producing more power. Um, to be able to, to to develop, but then on the other hand, that these projects can be not not uh, not productive, they could be the harmful, and so alternative seems to be a key issue. So, how, how did you work with the government to identify and, and and work on alternatives for this project?
1: I mean, we are not against development in principle, but our concern is approach or the uh, options being proposed. Um, so we have to do everything possible to flag or showcase how renewable energy can augment you know, the existing uh, power supply in our country to, to salvage the the situation. Um, so it was not that easy from the concept, but we have to consciously create that impression that we are not against development, but we are only concerned about the approach or the methodology that is being adopted. Um, so since then, we're working closely uh, with the government and the and, you know, and the relevant um, agencies. Uh, it was a Chinese company that was trying to build a coal plant Now that Ghana stopped to build a coal plant and now in, in May 2019, government again launched the renewable energy master plan. So this is a whole master plan. That shows how Ghana intends to ask you know, the use of renewable energy from 2015 the the went to twenty thirty, So it's a blueprint on how we want to scale or use our renewable energy resources. So that plan, again, fortunately, has also been supported by the Chinese government. You know, so it shows that, that Chinese is equally you know, available, uh, not only for uh, fossil fuel, but also when it comes to the use of uh, clean or renewable energies. So we'll be working on that uh, by you know organizing campaigns. Uh, so that's our contribution um, to the process. And what our campaigns is to do is to trigger the demand side. Because once there's a demand, it becomes an incentive for those in the supply side. Because once a business operator sees that, oh, there's enough demand on solar energy or solar lamps, then that becomes a basis for somebody to start investing in solar lamps. Because there's a market that is in need already for such product or for such service. And so that, so that was our contribution. So we create awareness, we create demand, and we try to connect the suppliers or retailers of some of these solar products so they can you know, go to those communities and offer them those products or those services. So that was how we we're also, uh, in our own small way, uh, providing a solution uh, to the process as far as energy access um, is, is concerned. And um, so that was how we've been doing ever since uh, the coal plants was stopped. And so we are sustaining the campaign, we are working closely with the government agency to ensure that over time uh, every Ghanaian will have access to, to cleaner forms of energy and not us supporting our pumping money into fossil for or productive fuel. So that is how we are currently working with state agencies to address you know, the energy situation.
0: Yeah, that's amazing and congratulations on on, on so much effort being able to achieve that. Um, and it's exciting that there is a now a blueprint that the government has put together for until twenty thirty to incorporate renewable energy. When you focus on the demand side, which I think is a really a good approach, how, what do you when you go to a community? What do you actually do? Do you how how do you engage with them to to increase awareness and demand for renewable energy?
1: So what what we do is we usually have to, as part of our community engagement um, strategy, we have to identify um, somebody or what we call a liaison officer. Uh, that means somebody who lives in the community, who knows the environment very well, who can who knows the the rules of engagement, the traditional ways of doing things in the community. Because I mean we are visitors, or we are strangers, so we don't have all the um necessary knowledge and information so we are somebody who is there who's connecting all these activities and the person gives us a fair idea to the state of the energy situation in those people develop um uh, simple materials um based on what the comment has developed and uh, for for example with with this one we develop renewable energy using a cartoon you know like a captain planet or like a superman you know, just targeting children. I want to say renewable energy, what is renewable energy? What are thoughts of renewable energy? So we have photos to appeal uh, to children, you know. So when we go to communities, uh, the children and young people can easily relate to what you're trying to communicate uh, to them. Once again, using those technical documents that are produced by government, you know, uh, government usually produces uh, documents that are um, 100 pages, 200 pages, 300 pages, and it's a document that the average person in the community wouldn't have time to read or even understand. So how do we simplify these materials so once we hit the community, they can, okay, in simple terms, in simple words, so they can also read and understand and be able to carry go along uh, with us uh, in, in the community. So that's how we create awareness. And then we also carry along samples you know, because you can mention solar lamp, but if the people are not seen solar lab before, it would be difficult for them to relate You know, solar touch lights, you know, things they do they use day-to-day, you know, that people go to farm, you know, they say, we need a touch light when I come back from the, from the farm. But so if we start introducing solar touch lights, solar lamps, you know, solar uh, uh what do you call it, uh, power banks and all that, they do not see, have a feel or see an evidence of what you are preaching. And then based on those samples of others, then they will not start asking for where they can get, you know, uh, the uh, quantities to buy. So that's how we, we've adopted the whole approach and the creating awareness on the new products.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating that you you create a, a unique program for each community. I imagine that takes a lot of effort. If you have to do a new one for, you know, you, you have to understand each community, that, that must take a lot of effort, right?
1: True, yeah, you right.
0: Yeah, and so have you found that you um, how do communities typically respond? Are they interested? Do they say no? Thank you. What what do they what do they typically say?
1: Well, I mean, we, we always get a very um the accessibility where they can easily assess the product to buy. And since we are not a business enterprise, we are an NGO creating awareness. Uh, so you, we can only carry samples with us. You know, sometimes once you go there, are asking you where can you get something to buy and all that. Um, so hopefully um you know we are looking for to get some colleagues who will be, be in terms of the business angle of the organization who will be selling their products. Like, so once you do you click one when they ask you, okay, where can we get some to buy? How do we acquire some? You know, so that's usually the challenge we face we face anytime we go to a community because we are not into business, uh we're able unable to meet those demands.
0: I'm curious, so when you, you, you go out to these communities for as a not as a business but obviously as an NGO just trying to raise awareness. are there um, are there individuals like children or youth or parents from your other programs that are are from those communities that can help make connections?
1: Yeah so before we hit in the community we we'll try to reach out to our contact list to find out those who live in those communities. Uh, so we can they can also get involved in activity in terms of the planning and implementation, uh, which is also a way for us to bond, you know, as a platform, and to also offer them the platform to also showcase what they can do, you know, as members of the platform. So yes, we do, you know, with that platform.
0: Yes, we do that. That's exciting. And so uh, one one thing that seems that you've been very effective in is is communication. You know, you, you said you're gonna. You created these cartoons, and and you use social media and talks and press conferences. Can you just talk about how you've used, from a strategic perspective, communication and outreach as a way to push your your goals? Yeah,
1: we we one we, of the approaches we we often use is the uh, the power mapping. Um, So, for example, if we want to target a government agency or the state institutions or the policy makers, our approach will be different. And when we are tackling our government institutions, I want to through the development of uh, policy briefs, position papers and all that, because those are things that the bank, or sorry, I mean, things that uh, the policy makers, you know, can easily relate to, you know, because that's, that's the environment, that's how the fashion. If you are going to engage children, we have to use things that will appeal to children i mean things that are very colorful uh, use cartoons use drawings use a lot of photos and um, simple tests you know not so much grammar use more of pictures more of examples so they can feel part of the process and then we can also engage them to you know support the the, the program um and then when it comes to young people also we also again um, use the various available options uh, today, when I talk about young people, I talk about social media, um, I'm sure that, I, I mean, nobody would doubt that over 90% of users are, are young people. Yeah, so that means we can reach them, a lot of young people on social media. So when it comes to Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, Instagram, I and mean, WhatsApp groups, we coin messages, you know, that will appeal to young people. And also to reach out to them more, you know, the message or the campaign um, that we are we are pursuing. Yeah, so we have all these, uh, you know, approaches, depending on the target audience that you are dealing with. So if it's a public public information, then we can go the press conference. To the press, we just capture our issues of story, you know, and also share and publicize it. You know, so that's how we you work know, with partners uh, in the organization. Yeah, those are, that's impressive that
0: you're able to... Work on position papers for the government and, and policy, while also social media campaigns and, and also campaigns for children. Um, are you finding, just at a very high level, that over the last five to ten years, has has there been an increase in awareness in in climate change in Ghana, or what what have you found so far? Because I know you mentioned early on that there, there was uh, less awareness about what climate change actually was. Yes, I mean
1: there's um, there's a significant increase in awareness level of climate change. Um even today I know I see sister NGOs that in the past were not even working on climate change. They think the level the awareness level is high um as compared to previous years. Um but I still, you know, like I would say there's still always room for improvement, you know. Um so, so that's what we do all the time. That we are not relenting our efforts. We are always pushing, creating awareness, coming up with innovative ideas, new ways of creating public, you know, interest, you know, in climate change, and more importantly, what they can do on their own, you know, uh, uh, as part of their contribution uh, to the fight against climate change. Even in banks, you know, as since some banks who are now trying to get involved in climate change.
0: Um, the government of Ghana, for example,
1: has come up with the um, Sustainable Banking Principles which ensure yeah, that all banks are supposed to report on how they are moving forward their ESG, you know, environmental, social, you know, and um, what do uh, environmental, social, and good governance, you know, practices in the organization. So, those are some of the things that are happening now, and uh, the private sector, the banks, you know, and other institutions are also getting more
0: involved in climate
1: action. So, yes, the awareness level has increased as compared to previous years.
0: Yeah, that's exciting that uh the awareness is increasing obviously there's more work to be done um uh and but that you know even at the high level you're starting to see banks and, and government really trying to put together these these uh, plans um well you guys, thank you very much for your time it's been really exciting to hear about the work that you're doing um i don't know if you had any last comments or, or, or uh, any last items that you wanted to bring up
1: um given this lot of work that i've done over the years and my focus has been more of working with young people and um, so i i again want to re echo you know my sentiments that and uh, if we are we are able or we ever want to fight or win the fight against climate change then we have to deliberately involve young people and children uh, in this particular uh, process not through tokenism or by word of mouth, but there should be concrete support, you know, for them to, because they're the future leaders and they're the ones who can make or not make, you know, all these uh, pledges or all this effort that we are putting into place. Um, So I want to just also add my voice that let there be a lot of support for such interventions for young people in different countries and for children, so that at least we can have the kind of solution that that we need. it may not even cost so much money, you know, and let's also create a space for them, you know, to use their skills, to use their ideas, to use their knowledge, to use their expertise, you know, to so they can also value or be seen as also adding value or also contribute contributing to the fight against climate change. So that is my one of my 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 main concerns that I want to share, you know, as we put together this message, that the world will listen to. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah, and that that's a great point. I think uh, one thing that I found is that when you provide people the tools and even children about how to tackle even some of these very large problems like climate change, it can be really empowering. You know, to have that ability just to an awareness to say, "Hey, yes, this is a big problem, but I can do something about it." So I imagine that's helping lots of lots of children and youth through the programs that you're you're providing.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's true. Yeah, that's true. yeah so thanks thanks, thanks so much for this opportunity. I, I deeply appreciate it.
0: yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you. Hello again. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you again, and uh, I, I it was really cool. Some of the takeaways that I had is is how, uh, effective, uh, Chvez and his team are at engaging all kinds of different stakeholders and, and forming strategies or power mapping, as is the phrase that he used, of how to really work with different um, okay. segments of of the population, whether it's children, whether it's youth, whether it's adults, whether it's parents, setting strategies for different communities depending on where they're involved in, working with policymakers at the natural national level, and so. Uh, that was really really cool, and how everything was so, in some ways, taking language from from entrepreneurship, kind of customer oriented, um, and it was really seeing a lot of, of change. You know, that was really exciting to see. So, um, raising awareness uh, at, at all levels of the in the country about climate change, about how it's impacting their biodiversity, their lands, their 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 coastal areas, um, just temperature, and, you know, just weather patterns. So that was very cool to see, um, and it was cool to see how important building that basis uh, of engagement with communities and how it can have such a significant impact on national policy and direction towards uh, addressing climate change. So, very cool. Uh, next episode, we we've kind of done a, a a good, I think, overview of of how climate activists are engaging with these different large problems, which is climate change and how to push how how they're grappling with <clears throat> the need to provide energy and, and jobs and other forms without necessarily needing to uh, use fossil fuel type projects. So next week, we're going to see uh, the really important role of having community self determination and how communities themselves can lead the change in terms of developing uh, their own opportunities. So. Uh, Thank you for following along. We'll check in next week.